Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast, we not only discuss the big concepts in your life, like buying a house, maybe rent vesting, investing in a share portfolio, starting a family, starting a business, doing all the things, but we touch on you know, the current economic climate when things are happening and the impact that it has on our daily lives. But I just want you to know, as we are navigating through these challenging times, it's important to acknowledge that the current economic situation, it's likely to persist for a few years. So there might be some fluctuations and minor improvements that we see, the overall trend is expected to be one of economic hardship, you know, across the world for the foreseeable future. One of the key concerns at this time is obviously the threat of inflation. While inflation can increase rapidly, it can actually take a few years for it to come back down. So we've had a million interest rate increases. It might not be over, but it's important that you stay encouraged, plugged in, And while I'm not being doomy and gloomy, I'm being real to say it might be a little bit tough for a lot of people for a little while. But that's what we're here for. We're here to encourage you to keep you plugged in and dialed in with your money. And today on the podcast, we're going to get in lots of trouble because we've got John Pigeon from the My Millennial Property Podcast and some really big news. We're announcing that we've got a new show partner for Tuesday's show, and that show partner is Sharesies. You may have heard of Sharesies before. They're an investment platform and it's an app. There's a link in the show notes if you want to check it out. So thank you to Sharesies for jumping on board with my millennial money to encourage people to invest for the future. It's really great that you have partnered with us here at My Millennial Money. Because investing at any age maximizes that sweet compounding effect that works hard for you over time. And Sharesies could be an option to help you get skilled up and moving along. The Sharesies platform makes investing easy. It's a simple and straightforward way to start investing at any age. You don't need to be a genius. You just have to start. Get $10 added to your account when you sign into the Sharesies platform using the exclusive promo code MMM. All investing involves risks, T's and C's and fees apply. So thank you to Sharesies for jumping on board with my millennial money. John, you ready to have a chat today? What an intro. Let's do this. John, I wanted to do a PSA today about fishing. Not the fishing, the other fishing. Have you had much experience with these phishing scams? And that's P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G. Yes, I haven't. I've seen or witnessed a lot of horror stories online, but nothing personally. Um, I hear you have. Yeah, and I just wanted to jump on. A few weeks ago, I was fished. I you know, hook, line and sphincter, as uh, <laughs> Jim Carrey said on Dumb and Dummy 2. Uh, but just as a general rule of thumb now, and I'll tell you, John, the story and everyone else as a, I just want to do this as a bit of a PSA before we get into some of this stuff today. I had recently been to Melbourne and to Brisbane and had hire cars, right? And I'm talking about the Link T scam. And I knew that I went through a heap of tolls, like different toll roads and all that stuff. And I think a lot of this stuff is they prey on people not paying attention and, you know, the planet's really lined for me. I, I knew I had tolls. I saw the tolls coming out of my bank account because the hire car companies just pass it on and instantly charge you straight away. And I got one text and I saw toll and I was just, in the back of my mind, I was like, nah, ignore that. They will, um, that will automatically come out of my bank account through the hire car company, whether it was the Melbourne or the... Brisbane one. And then I got another text. I'm like, bloody hell, have they just now not paid it for some weird thing and forwarded it on to me? And and you know those things like in the back of your mind, you've got that life admin thing that I've got to get onto that. I've got to get onto that. And just the other day, I was kind of like this, doing something online with someone and they were, um, they're like, oh, give us two seconds. I just need to do this. So I'm in the middle of work and I'm like, oh, I can jump on and pay that toll, $5.33. So 
So I'll go through my SMS and I'm searching like toll or something like that. Like I went back to find the scam, click the, and, and I thought it was legitimate because they use bit.ly, like yeah. it must be legitimate. And then logged onto the website. I'm like, oh yeah, link T. I've seen that brand before. I've got yeah, an account yeah. with them. And this is so dumb. I even opened my browser, logged into my link T account. It said everything was up to date. And I was thinking, oh no, it might be through the business because I hired the car for work. Right. Maybe the online accounts personal and the text I got was from the yeah, business. Confirmation thing. bias. Yeah, all that. And so I put my um, everyday spending account in my up card in it, click validate, and the thing just sits there spinning. And I'm like, what the hell? So I'm like, ah, oh, stuff this, close it, something. So I sent the bit.ly link to my Slack and opened it on my web browser. And then <laughs> I, I used another card. I'm like, oh, I'll just try and so case they got something both wrong. cards. <laughs> and then it dawned on me. I'm like, you've just been fished. So I jumped on up app, canceled the card, jump on to the um, other, it was my Amex business card, canceled that card. And yeah, so a couple of things. Number one, I think, you know, all this, it's so bad at the moment. Like every single bank has warnings. I think we all need to make it a rule that we don't click SMS links. And email is easy because you can kind of go in and see and hover over the thing and all that stuff. It's a pain cancelling cards, right? Yeah. So it was just right thing, right situation. I thought I had tolls and all that stuff and... um yeah, I got done. So, minor minor issue now is doesn't your tolls just bill you, and you've just got to have an amount of money in there, or is no, no, different? these were the higher cars. So the the toll collection e tag thing in the higher cars. Ah, uh, yes, okay. So I thought the higher car company must have just passed my details on if they couldn't debit my card or something. Yeah, sure. But it was just one of those things. So the thing is as well. I believe if there's any fraudulent activity on my cards, they won't be covered through Amex or MasterCard because I've consented and given that information up freely. So it's a trap. So just the rule in my life now is, one, you're an idiot, Glenn. You <laughs> shouldn't try and outsmart yourself and do something last minute. and Concentrate you know, on one thing at a time. Yeah, it's that whole book thinking fast, thinking slow. I was just yeah. thinking fast and yeah. and that's what they kind of do. And yeah, so number two, make it a rule that you do not basically click any links. And if in doubt, um, call or contact the provider and say, hey, I got this email or the link. Is this legitimate? Yeah. Which is such a pain to do, right? We shouldn't have to yeah. be doing it. And I think the whole thing, well, is I don't like owing money. Mm. <laughs> like I'm like, oh, I hate having a bill outstanding. Yeah. Prey on people so, like you. Mm. So there's a question here. Lachlan in the Facebook group said he's got a $20,000 idea, stocks versus machinery. Hi, friends. I've got a bit of money aside I'd like to use. A lot of people are telling me I should buy stocks. Let's say if I put $20,000 on some ETFs or some sort of blue chip item and expect a 10% return, I'd have $22,000 at the end of the year. If I spent $20,000 on machinery like an excavator, donut machine, drone, chainsaw, etc., is a donut machine literally a donut machine or is it something to do with an excavator? No, anyway. no, makes donuts. Yeah, if I don't make 2K with it throughout the year, I'd be pretty disappointed in myself. Can anyone think of a reason not to choose buying machinery over stock? So what do you take from that question? Because there's a few things in this that I want to pick apart and discuss. Mm, lots to pick apart, isn't it? Mm. I think uh, Lachlan, without knowing him, may have an entrepreneurial flair. So do we want to scratch that itch by dropping 20K on something? Research, is it the right business? Is it the right, what is your niche? Uh, is it just going to be 20 grand or is it is it going to compile and we end up spending 60 grand? They're two very different concepts. Like one is essentially set and forget and hopefully let it do its thing and get its return. The other is in the form of machinery, uh, active income or, or turning it into something that's active income. There's, there's none of that that says passive, whereas the, the ETFs is, is uh, 
very much passive, isn't it? So that, that's the first part of it. Do we want to be active or do we want to be passive? And that might give you the answer right there. Um, I, I think is he, is he a business owner or is he just want to make a truckload of money? Um, what's his risk profile? Uh, we, we need answers to all those things, but it, it's understanding what do you, what's your long-term game? What do, you, what do we want in five or ten years' time? Do we want to build a, a side hustle that turns into a real business or do we just want to grow wealth and, and what's our risk profile around that? Like putting 20K into an excavator that blows up two weeks later is, is a costly exercise. So putting 20K into a, uh, an ETF, for example, is uh, very low risk compared to buying, uh, buying yourself a, a job, so to speak. What do you think? Yeah, so a couple of things. I just want to pick a few things apart for the discussion Uh, A lot of people telling me I should buy stocks. Okay. Number one, you should only do what you want to do. Need to align with your gut check or your values, your wants, your needs, what you're comfortable with. We do not do anything financially just because someone else is telling us because well-meaning friends and relatives may lead you astray not knowing it. And you wake up in three years like, oh, why did I do that? Oh, because they told me to do it. So that's number one. You need to step back and we only make decisions based on what we want to do. Sure. Take some advice from different people. The second thing is, you know, you've got 20K saved. I'm probably looking at the, you know, sound financial house diagram that's on our website and what the basis of the book sort your money out and get invested. I want to make sure that you're completely consumer debt free. I want to make sure you've got an emergency fund. Like I hope this $20,000 is on top of your emergency fund. If it isn't, maybe we need to say, well, $12,000 of this is the emergency fund because we need a base camp, base load foundation type thing. So maybe you've only got $12,000 spare because we don't want to invest our emergency fund. The next thing I would say, you know, if I have an ETF or blue chip shares and expected a 10% return at the end of the year, I'd have $22,000. You can't look at that with stock investing. There could be years that could be 35%. There could be years it could be negative 10. We know with investing in shares that you need, and ETFs, their shares, you need to have at least a five to seven year time horizon to get that average of 10% return per year. Now, within that, that 10% return, it's going to be made up of capital growth and capital value and dividend and distribution income. So just a, a couple of things there. The next thing, when we talk about machinery and should I buy this type of machinery, I look at this kind of what you said, John. We've got a decision. Do I start a business or a side hustle, or do I invest in ETFs and then move on with my day job? I would probably hypothesize if you line up your ducks right and get some good equipment, you'll get a better return owning and running your own business because there's only basically two ways to make serious money in this filthy capitalist society And that is through bricks and businesses, whether you buy property, whether you develop property or businesses, whether you buy businesses like the ETFs and all that, or make your own business. Bricks and businesses are how you make money. Now, if you spent $20,000 on an excavator, you could do the numbers. You're going to have to have some maintenance costs and all that stuff. But I would imagine if you pick the right thing, you should be able to do more than 10% in a year with that capital. You probably make 10% in a week or in that's some right. cases a day, <laughs> but it's active, isn't it? And that's, that's the difference. But it's also choosing the right thing, like a donut machine, you know, you might only be able to hire that for parties on Saturdays. Mm. Unless the donut machine is literally, because he said a drone or a chainsaw, so it just <laughs> yeah. seems random, like all this kind of mechanical stuff. By the way, I'm doing fairy floss and donuts. Like we're not buying a machine for donuts unless we can guarantee 
that we can have that machine pumping out donuts every day. Yeah, I'd eat the profits if it was a donut machine, whereas oh, a, a chainsaw would be fine. Thanks, Dad. Um, so, yeah, so the question was, can anyone think of a reason not to choose buying machinery over stock? So let's let's just look at the reason not to buy machinery over stocks. You've said it, John, it's an active thing. Even if you've got a day job and you want to buy a little tipper, a friend of mine, Maddie, he's got a tipper. We call it Terry the Tipper. And he's got, an, uh, he's got a little digger called Doug the Digger. And, um, you know, he hires them out. You know, his core business is building and construction, but he does hire them out ad hoc as well. So there can be money to be made. But the question is, if we're buying the machinery as a side hustle, we want to make sure all the dicking around, all the maintenance, all the putting up with people picking up on the trailer and is it coming back with a hose broken, hydraulic repairs, all that stuff. We need to make sure that the money that you make isn't just getting consumed in maintenance and there's also a premium for your time that you spend doing this. Yeah, I think with the 20K to buy something, as in machinery, it comes with a whole business plan, doesn't it? It's like, what is the industry? Do I know it? Like personally, I I only invest in something that I understand. So does he understand excavation? Does he come from that um, space? If he does, great. Let's understand where the niche is and and he might be passionate about running his own business. I think there's a very – and I've got a friend looking at the moment to run their own business but they're they're actually attacking it from the wrong angle. They're going in saying, well, I want to run my own business because I want – to be in choice of my time. I want to decide when I work and whatever. They're not worried too much about the industry. That is a worry. Mm, mm. So good luck, Lachlan. Thanks for asking the questions. But I would probably say look within, build like what do you want to do? Make sure that you've got your emergency fund sorted before we do any investing and I think you'll kill it. Steve Smith. Not the Australian cricketer. Uh, is, yeah, maybe it is. Well, he's, he's actually a Geelong fan. He's got a Geelong logo on his uh, name. Right. So okay. Steve in the Facebook group said, hey, guys, long-time listener, first-time poster. Welcome. Thanks for your input. Just had a career question. How do people become mortgage brokers? What sort of qualifications do you guys have? Thanks in advance. So what we're going to do, I'm going to play a little snippet uh, from Rachel Croon from Sphere Finance. I sent her this question and said, hey, can you send me a little audio snippet? So we'll play that in a sec. But John, conceptually, moving into a new career, new job, new vocation, all that stuff, what pearls of wisdom do you have? Okay, so Rachel talk about the qualifications, Cert for and mortgage broking, et cetera. Uh, I think if we're changing careers, Actually, similar to the, what I said at the finish of the last question is we've got to do something that we're, we understand and we're passionate about and we think we're going to gain enjoyment out of number one, not, not necessarily what the, makes the most money. That's a, a great byproduct. Um, so I think asking ourselves that and are we trying to scratch a short-term itch? Uh, are we not enjoying our, our role? Our, our time in a in a in an office or whatever it might be, they just need a career change. I get it, but is it a short term thing where we regret because we're going into something that seems fluffier than the current job that we're in? I suppose that that's the first part of it. Um, then there's a whole. I'm going into a new career, and and Shell obviously is the, is the expert in this space. Uh, have I got any experience in that industry per se at all? So am I starting from the bottom of the pile in respect to my income? Do I need to look after a family? What are my running costs in my life? So it's that whole maybe taking a pay cut for the sanity of me enjoying my nine to five better. And and sometimes that's a, that's a great outcome because we're in, enjoying life more now but it does come with the cost of, uh, of the cash flow in their life. So they're probably the two big ones for me. What have you got? Yeah, I think number one, Steve, I'll jump in to the Facebook group and make comment that um, you can email me your postal address and we'll get you a copy of our new book, Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money because it'll be a good read um, for you. But I think what we need to do with these type of jobs where you are changing careers and career fields 
there is going to be some reskilling and retraining involved while you do some formal education on the side. So my advice would be to, you know, for example, you might be on $80,000 a year and to get into that industry, you're going to have to start in the office, in admin, in loan processing, because you need to learn how that world works. And that might be a pay cut and I'll make a number up $60,000. So we know there's potentially a 20 grand hole pre-tax that you need to fill. So we've got a couple of options. Number one, do we have the flexibility to kind of halve that and see if we can get a job part-time in that desired industry and still work with what we're doing part-time? Might not be a thing. Number two, can we save up and, you know, have that, you know, it could be 15 grand post-tax dollars. Can we save up 15 grand to supplement the income for a year when we do make the move? Or number three, can we look at our expenses and really bring it down? And if you are saving, I'll make number up, really good amount of money, $1,000 a month investing in shares or salary sacrifice, can we put that on pause until we reset our career? And then what you would need to work out is what the salary goals and guidelines and roadmap and runway is for that. So then you can just, this is just all about let's getting data on the table because we know that we can't step into a senior broker role earning over hundred grand a year from day one. So I think you need to go back, talk with a heap of brokers, get coffee with a heap of brokers and get some data on the table. I'll send you a book, um, sort your career out and make more money. It's our new number one Amazon career category bestseller. It's a banging book. And let's have a listen to what Rachel has to say here. To become a mortgage broker, you need two pieces of formal training. One is your certificate four in mortgage broking. The second is your diploma of finance and mortgage broking management. Now, on top of these formal qualifications, you also need some on-the-job training. So you need to work under an experienced broker for at least two years before you can see clients on your own. So generally, that would be actually going and working for an, like a broker. It might be in a support role or it might be as a, a lending manager and you would work under an experienced mortgage broker while you get the two years experience that you need to go out and be a mortgage broker yourself. Thanks, Rach. So Jill Davis and Jill and Aaron Davis, just building our portfolio, looking for some advice and wondering why people invest in precious metals as an alternative to stocks and shares. Thanks. Do you invest in precious metals, John? No, but I'm actually going to Broken Hill tomorrow and I will see a few precious metals uh, out there. Wow. Shout wow. out to the hill. What about you? Have you invested in any precious metals? I have and- when we talk about, and we'll just use gold as an example, right? When we hear of gold as an investment asset, right? Usually the money world is split right in two. There is a, there's the view that, no, I only invest in an asset that has potential for capital growth and produces an income, traditional shares and property, right? Or other weird assets that, you know, have some type of like, real growth and return like venture capital and all that angel investing stuff. The other side of the coin around this issue of precious metal and we'll use gold as the example is, no, it's a hedge against inflation. It's a different correlation to, um, and I'll give you a real example. The last, say, few years, we're coming off some high times. Things have been rocky. Inflation's going up. Cost of living's going up and all that stuff. So I've taken the view that I'll take the advice of my financial advisor with um, my wealth and that portfolio. As part of my portfolio, I think there is a 5 to 10% allocation to gold yep. and that's via an ETF. And actually our Thursday show partner, Global X ETFs, it's actually their ETF that's in my portfolio. But just as a like an example, John, like equity markets have been rough the last you know, year or so, right? A couple of years. Over the last five years, the return of the fiscal gold fund is like 9.39%. Like that's a decent return yeah. for something that doesn't produce an income. 
Over the last three years, 3.4%. That's probably higher than a lot of people's savings account over that whole time. So what I would say is when you say why people invest in precious metals as an alternate to stocks and shares, it's actually not an alternate. It's not an or, it's a blend, it's a complement, it's a portion of a portfolio. There would not be more than maybe 10% max, eight to 10%. I don't have it in front of me right now, but in my portfolio. So, And do you think they would, it might be something that they understand and get to then go and invest in as opposed to something else that they, they might well, not truly Well, I've used the example for the last million years that I had a client um, call me and said, oh, we've got an opportunity to buy um, rare pink diamonds. Um, I'm like, okay, keep talking. And they said, yeah, we want to buy $60,000 worth. And that's a lot of money. Their portfolio was worth $2 million. So for them to say, we want to invest a very small portion into this precious thing, sure, knock yourself out. I just think the the diversification play, you might understand it more than anyone on earth, but are we putting 100% of our portfolio into it? Well, no, that would be, that would be bad. So I would just say if you are interested in investing in these precious metals, one, you know, are you a portfolio manager yourself or do you just need to buy a one-stop shop portfolio and get on with your life? So I I think I've just decided I'm taking the advice of my financial advisor on the portfolio construction. It's a model portfolio full of different ETFs. Part of that is gold. Their investment committee has a reason. The overall portfolio is really good and yeah. But in terms of gold, like, sure, if you want to buy some precious insert material here or whatever, like, you know, I've got, I've showed you that my gold coins, like I've got some gold coins that I've bought just because I'm interested in them and they're solid gold and all that stuff. Is it my whole portfolio? Nope. But I'm interested in them for that kind of collector's thing. And I like having solid gold and all that stuff. But I think it's just, yeah, my advice would be, it's not an alternate it's a compliment and it might be, you know, we talk about having a satellite port, like a satellite portion of your portfolio. You might decide that I want to have 5% of my portfolio in the Global X ETFs gold. And that's actually um, linked to solid gold, um, that portfolio. So they hold the gold somewhere. We'll have a break and we'll be back right after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back as we slide into the community section of the week where we asked you a question. What recent thing did you learn about managing money? Now, we can't do this part of the podcast without our friends at Sky Well. Make sure you protect the most important thing in your life, and that is you and your income and your family. Make sure you go to sky.com.au 
forward slash MMM if you want to chat with an advisor about sorting out your income insurances, your life insurances. This stuff really matters. So head to sky.com.au forward slash MMM. Thanks to the team at Sky. John, what have we got here? The most recent thing you learned about managing money. Yes, Maddie, savings are there for a reason and it's okay to use them, e.g. unexpected events. Uh, Andrew says there's a lot we didn't need to be spending on, really taking the time these holidays to cull and make more room for reducing our mortgage. Well done. Uh, Owen, bit of humour here. Don't go all in on black. Yeah, no, the roulette table will get you. And fun fact, everyone, roulette table, red and black, but there's also a zero that's green, so it's not a 50-50. There is always a chance that the house will win and the American roulette tables have two green, a zero and a zero-zero, so it's even worse odds. So if you're playing roulette, don't play on those tables. Adam said, pay yourself first. That's a big one. Olivia said a really important thing here. Don't sell your assets. So when you're investing... We know that we have to, and I was even thinking today, John, imagine a white piece of paper and there's a line that's going straight in the middle of it, straight through, right? That's your investment strategy. That's your investment goals. That's your life strategy. And then over that line, I want you to draw like a sine wave, like the the up and down sideways, sine waves. They are the things, market fluctuations, economic conditions, all that stuff that you can't control. You need to always set your strategy so it is that line. Do we have to put a little dot there and slightly pivot the line going forward if we make a change to some structural things? Absolutely. This illustration probably sucks, but all I'm saying is build your life and your strategy on the basis that it's long-term and agnostic to things that you can't control. As they're driving their truck out in the middle of nowhere, they've been picturing that diagram you've just described to them. I'm here for it. Kate O'Neill, the more money you have, the more time you spend managing it, it ties up mental energy. Well, Kate, yeah, let, I, that, let that be our biggest problem. I mean, pushing back on that, if you have more money, do you need to spend more time managing it? Well, it's either the ETF or the excavator. True, true. Nice tie in there, John. Mm. Well, we'll make a podcast producer out of you in no time. Christy Lee, everything about kids is expensive. The older they are, the more dollars they cost. I often wonder how different my life would be if I ever have lived the dink lifestyle. And then I remember my life is richer in other ways. Yeah, that's a really good point, Christy. If you don't know what dink is, it's double income, no kids. Yes. And I actually had a clarity call today with someone who plans on, well, is essentially dink today, but will forever be dink in their plan in any case. So, does change the outlook on a whole range of uh, things, doesn't it? Especially financials when you've got three of those ruggies. Mm. Lindsay Whitehead, regular in the Facebook group, little coffee icon next coffee. to their comments. Thanks for listening always. Sick of seeing your name, but all good. Keep it going. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> What's Lindsay saying? Oh, I spent money I had now to pay for Red Joe that wasn't due for another four weeks, but I wasn't sure I'd trust myself to not spend the money before the Red Joe date and be left without a car on the road, basically. I learned that in fear of being terrible with money, I can actually be good, probably too cautious with money. Is Lindsay uh, actually Glenn James in Anonymous? <laughs> no, I'm not sure, but I was joking with my comments before. Lindsay, love seeing you and... Um it's great they're involved. Hey, here's one. I had someone reach out to us, um, the Sort Your Money Out website, and then click Get Help because they wanted a financial advisor. Mm. And I asked, oh, how did you hear about this webpage and all that? And this person said, I blew a tire on the side of the road. This person was in their 30s, 38 years old. They had to get a tow truck. The tow truck driver told them about the podcast. <laughs> Because this person, 38 years old, always worked, had to call their uncle and aunt to borrow money for the tow truck and the tire and all that stuff. And it was a real like sobering moment that mm. I'm 38 years old. Why do I have to call my uncle and aunt to borrow money to fix this? Yeah. So to the tow truck driver out there, <laughs> if you're still listening, 
thanks for sharing the love to um, people out there. And if you're the 38-year-old who reached out to get help, I hope um, that you're going well and things are back under control. All right, let's bump out of this segment. Thanks to Sky Wealth for supporting the podcast and hooking up life and income insurances for our listeners, sky.com.au forward slash MMM. Rightio, just some housekeeping. Everyone, grab a broom. You all live here. You've all got a responsibility to help clean this podcast up. So we're doing some housekeeping, everyone. Now, we'll put a link in the show notes. Rach Croon, who we heard just before about the mortgage thing, she's running a webinar um, all about mortgages, Q&As, refinancing, buying a first home, buying a first investment property. We'll put a link in the show notes. It's coming up in a couple of weeks. Register, no cost. Probably first 500 in will get their spot. We'll put a replay up on YouTube. But if you do want to have some questions um, and you know what's that live webinar, it'll be on a Tuesday night. Uh, you can do that in the show notes. John, just talk to us quickly about your online property academy for those who want to maybe venture into planning their future around property. What's your property academy? Yes. Yeah, so it's for everyone that's basically wanted to take action in property, as we've suggested. Um, so buying your first home or buying your first investment or building an investment portfolio, we talk about the eight-point strategy in detail. We talk about hotspots and not spots and how to research those. Um, there's action steps at there's action steps at the end of each module. So you can go away and do some homework. You can work at your own pace. There's like, I don't know, 14 modules or something to work through um, and do it at your own pace. So whole heap of information in there that's come out of my skull onto an online forum and um, or an online course and uh, away you go. Love it. Well, we'll put a link in the show notes for that as well. I just wanted to give you a bit of a shout out there, John, because Thank it's a good, a good thing. And um, yeah, if you want to do an online property course, that's for you. What did Pamela have to say and ask? Pamela's asking for wisdom. Baby boomer, retirement end, lifetime single mum of three, very low super, finally bought a townhouse as a principal place in 2019 with just 12 years to pay out the mortgage. So the repayments are going to be higher, obviously. Four years in, work stability is creating stress and a surprise debt just came through with Strata. Do I need an accountant, financial advisor or mortgage broker to get advice of some options? Mm, what are you saying to Pamela there? Okay, so we need to look at the magnitude of what that amount is from Strata. I would actually hit it in the eyes and talk to Strata about that and maybe the difficulty in being able to pay that up front. Is there a payment plan in place um, that we could take advantage of? Uh, and at the same time, we've got to understand what this work instability is. So how unstable is it? And can we shore that up through some way, shape or form? Because we want to to get as many things in our control as possible, first of all. So this whole debt that I've got owing and and maybe a cash flow issue in our, our life because we've only got 12 years to pay the mortgage instead of 30 is is putting a lot of stress in our life. And, and the only two ways we can we can help with that is to earn more uh, or to spend less. The spend less, probably not an option by the sounds of it. So we've got to make sure that our income, our nine to five has a bit more stability about it, if at all possible. Um, when we talk about accountant, financial advisor, mortgage broker, look, don't know the ins and outs of the townhouse and the income in your situation Worst comes to worse, it, it may actually involve getting some sort of loan and that may even be an equity loan um, from your principal place to to help with that debt. But I would avoid that at all costs. It's a, it's definitely a last case, a worst case scenario to to clear that debt in your life there. What would you do? Yeah, number one, I'd probably jumping on the phone to a mortgage broker just to run their eyes over the mortgage. Um, make sure that, you know, it is competitive. Can there be, if there is work stress and all that stuff, if there needs to be a career pivot and you, if you can find the right place and work a little bit longer than planned, maybe the mortgage can be slightly adjusted so it doesn't have to be um, as savage uh, repayments. 
And in fact, the podcast Retire Right, we are really turning that with a heap of recordings, John. I've got an interview booked in with someone who started their own business in their 60s and um, just really encouraging. So we know that in this day and age, 60 is not old anymore. Um, 65 is considering entering the lifestyle years. So I'd probably, uh, to Pamela, just really chat to the mortgage broker. You know, I know you've got a copy or you can get a copy of the career book. In fact, I'll get you one if you don't have one, just yell out. And I think, yeah, we just need to say, how do we remove the work instability to create something? And then maybe if we can find something that's more suited for the long term, can we tweak that mortgage? Now, I, I don't know what the debt is through the strata, but just more of it, a cautionary tale. If you are looking to buy into strata complexes and all that stuff, you really need to know what the sinking fund has because you know you really shouldn't quote unquote get a surprise debt. Usually what would happen is if there is an issue and the surprise debt, is it because you didn't pay and you didn't have your mail checked or your email and they're knocking on the door, hey, you haven't paid for three years. Like surprise, like is it that or is it legitimately um, there was a someone damaged something or there needs to be a bit of the roof repaired and there isn't money in the singing fund, usually what happens then is there'll be a special levy added. Um, so I'm not clear about that, but just as a potential um, flag and realistically with these strata things, a surprise debt. Now I'm seeing that is there as a special levy, but often with strata committees and stuff like that, if there's a new roof that's going to cost 60 grand and we need to vote and have a special levy. Usually that's not going to be a surprise. And usually they would probably do a temporary fix that this um, sinking fund can probably just cover. And then we vote on it. And then, so there shouldn't be quote unquote overnight surprises, but I'll have some grace there because I don't have the situation. Yeah. Someone reached out to me late last year with uh, another special surprise in their strata and they had to come up with 40 and they had like three months to do so. So, yeah, they can unfortunately do that. Yeah, and that's what I mean. We don't, we don't know all the information. It's just more of a cautionary tale. Um, do I need an accountant? No. Do I need a financial advisor? Maybe to, you know, you've got a lower super balance. So maybe you could see a financial advisor to say, okay, what does the numbers look like pushing the mortgage out further paying less on the mortgage and salary sacrificing that to super over the next 10 years. And then when we retire, we retire, we pull money out of super and then pay off the mortgage. So there could be some strategy stuff there and certainly a mortgage yeah. broker. I suppose being a, being a baby boomer, by definition, she's at least 59. So a mortgage broker is obviously a great conversation to see if that 12 years can be extended, but the chances of her getting a 30-year term are pretty much gone. Yeah, unless the super is big enough where there is that conform part of an ex exit strategy. Mm. And, and that's like, it's a human factor. Like we don't want the mortgage hanging around forever. We need no. that cleared. But, you know, if you do have an extra 10 years of work, well, let's get into a job that you enjoy that isn't causing stress. And yeah. can we put a plan in place where we are paying minimum and pushing the mortgage out to 20 years. Yep. And then in 10 years, we withdraw money out of super that's been growing for the next 10 years and then clear the mortgage. So yeah, probably. Bit of an Feeling for thing. you, Pamela. Hope it all works out okay. All right. Have we got time? Let's do two quickies, John. Kirsten Ann said, okay, property gurus. Well, that's you, John. Searching for our PPOR, but contract has revealed an unapproved bathroom renovation from 30 years ago. Do we run? We love the house. Everything else checks out. Auction is this Saturday. Oh my gosh. So not much time to arrange an inspection. I know plumbing is on the higher risk of things. What are we doing, Johnson? Well, we're getting a professional out there, aren't we? We're getting someone whose bathroom renovation is their thing. And that would involve a plumber, absolutely. We're doing that absolutely before auction comes this week and time is tight. But uh, are we running? I don't think so. There's a lot of unapproved renovations, extensions, you name it, around the country. So it's it's not a walk away. It's just understanding the uh, bathroom renovation 
is it something that's going to cost you money down the track or was the bathroom renovation actually done fine? It just wasn't approved. It was done from by someone that was actually really competent at what they were doing and it's fine for the next 20 years. Are you looking at selling the house? Is it is it your abode for the next 20 years? Will you run into trouble when you try to sell it? Yes, there's definitely some question marks there. Um, you raise an alert with council and, uh, and, and they're basically going to have to say, well, okay, we need to come out and certify that. And that's a, a lengthy process. It's not going to happen before the auction. So yeah, we're definitely doing our research and getting a team of professionals in to check this thing out. But also you would think that it would be picked up in a general building and pest, right? Not the unapproved renovation. Oh, I, I don't care about the unapproved side of it, but yeah. I, I think what I'm getting at is if, you know, the pest and building, they're going to say, yeah, the freaking bathroom's rooted, it, there's been water leaks and yeah. so you know that you've got to redo a bathroom. Now, what does an unapproved bathroom mean if they buy it tomorrow all as is? Will the bank not settle on it? Well, no, it's, not. it's fine. It's been mentioned in the contract. So yeah, well, just everyone knows about house, it. Just buy the house and fix the bathroom. It's 30 years old anyway. Yeah, uh, it's it's the standard <laughs> of the renovation is the question, isn't it? And I, I'm probably saying that flippantly because we're at the <laughs> point of recording where yeah. I'm leaning back with my hands on my head. Like I think realistically – if you've got a 30-year-old bathroom, at some point, you're probably going to want to freshen that up. This is just me thinking, if everything else stacks up in the house, I get it for the right price, it's the right the right location, they said they love the house, everything else checks out. Yeah. I'm just flagging, at some point, this bathroom needs redoing. It might be 30 grand if they didn't put a, you know, what if they took a wall out and it's not load-bearing? Like, I, that would be very unlikely, but I don't know an unapproved bathroom renovation. Like, what does that mean though? Like, are they, did the vendor just say to their lawyer, like, oh, we did it on the sly and they're mentioning it anyway? Yeah. Because I think if you renovate your bathroom, John, you don't need council to come out and go, yeah, done. They're actually lucky it was issued, in, uh, written in the contract because a lot of it isn't. It's just gone and done and no one ever knows about it. But I think unapproved aside, you're right, like the building and pest. Is there an issue with the bathroom, yes or no? Is it a game changer? Is there a major defect in the building and pest inspection? If there is, we need to assess the cost. If there isn't, buy the house. Mm. Tom Manning said, tax return, get a professional or DIY. I'm from the UK. Hello, Governor. So doing my own tax return is new for me. For the last couple of years, I've used a tax agent recommended by my company which costs $180. Going forwards, should I keep using them or learn to do it myself? What do you think? If the answer is it depends, what factors should I be considering? Thanks. John, what's Tommy Boy doing in this sitch? Oh, $180 tax return. Not sure of the quality. Depending on the complexity of Tom's situation, I would just I would get an accountant that's decent regardless of the cost. You want to know that you, you've got good people in your corner, so I wouldn't be doing it myself. I'd be outsourcing that so I can focus on what I do best, I suppose. What are you doing? Yeah, number one, I want to know, it just goes down to complexity. Like if you've got no other assets and you're now a tax resident in Australia, I would still probably uh, make sure that the tax agent, and that's the difference, you know, street talk, tax agent, walking off the street, tax return on the spot, see you later, or do you need a strategic accountant? If you've got complex financial affairs, you're getting an accountant who has experience with your situation. And that's for any professional. I'm not taking my um, Toyota to a European specialist, like no point. So I would say find a professional who specializes with uh, maybe international tax treaties or a specialist who has done, you know, if you've got assets overseas and all that stuff. And if you haven't, still get a professional to do it for the first year and then if you've got simple and non-complex affairs, well, you might do it yourself. But I've never done my own tax return. No, nor have I. There might be some stuff that Tom's still got in the UK as yeah. well. All right. We've got to go. Thanks so much for having a listen today. I've had fun. I hope John's had fun. Always. And uh, you can catch John over on the My Millennial Property Podcast. 
where there's just a bunch of capitalist pigs chatting about property. Oink, hey, oink, while oink. we're there, mm. we've got a banging episode on uh, homelessness, an amazing lady who's set up a, a, a company that, to purchase properties for the homeless to live in. So check that out. Awesome. Thanks, friends. See you later. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities, and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 